ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Mage Wars Mondays, and this episode is going to be all featured around the new, and I don't know, Aaron may call it improved, I've definitely heard a lot of great things about it, but Mage Wars Battlegrounds, specifically Domination, we're going to talk about the Guardians that were spoiled last week, and we're giving you guys an exclusive look at the spoiler for this week. Um, the Astral Anchor. So, as always, my name is Rick Perez of Let's Level Up, and I'm joined um, by my partner in crime, the Indomitable One. Uh, I'm Aaron Brosman, and uh, I got to play an awesome two-on-two -two, uh, Mage Wars game yesterday, I which I totally lost. I saw the pictures of that, <laughs> man. Uh, so, the, go into the game a little bit. Who was who playing who? Uh, what mages were in there? How, how did the teamwork... Uh, how did that team element play sure. into it? Um, now, I am going to feel horrible because uh, obviously I met um, most of these guys yesterday, uh -huh. and so I don't actually remember their names. <laughs> um, but we had a we had one of our ambassadors um, running events at a convention in Indianapolis every year called HoosierCon. HoosierCon's a it's a non-profit uh, free convention. You just kind of show up and you get to play a game. Um, and it was pretty awesome. So they had some really good uh, really good turnout for people getting uh, demos of Mage Wars and and stuff like that. But they had had a couple of, a couple of the guys were like hey, you know, we're down for trying you know, a team game later in the evening. So Matt uh, Birch, who also works for Arcane Wonders, um, he and I were down there for the day. And so we showed up, and uh, of course Dave, the uh, um, Dave, the ambassador, he uh, he split us up so that we weren't on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Matt was playing. Uh, and a Dremelec Warlock that he had he had specifically been putting together that day because he's like, oh, team game. This will be awesome. Um, and then his partner was a... Um, I think his name was Josh. I could be wrong. Um, but he lived... <laughs> Louis. I, I feel horrible. I really do. We'll just call him Mr. Mr. J. <laughs> I feel really bad that I don't remember yeah. people's names. But at the same time... I would rather admit that I don't remember your names than say, well, it was uh, Roberto and <laughs> Gustav and, well, you know, so. Um, but he was playing um, a Force Master book that he had made. Um, then uh, I was on the other team, and so I brought out my, my wizard book, which I really enjoy playing. It's not good. Um, it is super fun. Um, and the reason I say it's not good is because after Captain America Winter Soldier came out, I put together a wizard, and I was just like, Hail Hydra? Do you know, you know what this needs? It needs more Hydra. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah. No, the first time I summoned a Hydra, and I, I'm sitting in the middle of the room, and I yell out, Hail Hydra! Um, Matt goes, are you seriously going to do that every time? And I go, yeah, that's going to be a thing. <laughs> So, um, I only got, like, two of them out over the course of the game, because four-player games are pretty crazy, team games more so. Um, 
but my partner was also in a Dremelock Warlock. Um, it was a gentleman using um, the one of the ambassador's extra books that he had. Um, basically, what it boiled down to was the two Warlocks were on one half of the board, and then it was me and the Force Master on the other, and we all sort of, sort of, sort of started moving closer to the center. Um, we were playing on uh, on two two mats setting next to each other, so it was uh, it was a six by four arena, mm-hmm. and each team started on the short end. Um, but okay. basically, we started moving closer to the center, and then closer to the the center, um, like going towards our opponent. But it was pretty funny because every time Matt would do something. Uh, the the warlock on my team was like, oh, you cast a cloak of shadows. Well, I prepared a cloak of shadows too, <laughs> and it was just it was all sorts of of craziness. Um, early on, like they had ended up pulling me away from from my partner, but I was in a zone that had a a teleport trap in it. Well, they pulled me away. And then they did a, I think it's Purge Magic, uh, the one that destroys all the stuff in the zone, all the enchantments in the zone. So they got rid of the teleport trap, which was sad, because I really wanted them to hit the teleport trap so that we could drop them straight on the Hydras. Which, that ended up happening basically the next round, is teleported the Force Master into zone with hydras nice and a lot of the game focused around the force master getting the crap kicked out of her um and not dying fast enough nice is the thing um (laughs) we played uh we played a variant where basically um you don't average their life totals together but basically you you have one shared pool of hit points and it's not it's not as simple as well, I add my 32 to your 33, and now we have 65. Um, but the end result was both teams had uh, about 50 hit points okay. on their team. And hitting either mage would take away from that. Healing either mage would give back to it. So it was a way to uh, prevent you from picking on the same person over and over again. Or I should say... In a in a normal team game, uh, at least the ones I've played, it quickly becomes a you. It's like a pack of wolves. Sure. You find the weak link really fast, and then you pour absolutely everything you have into it. Um, because even if, um, even if you are at very low life, um, two mages is vastly superior to one mage. Absolutely. So, um, but. This way, you don't really have that. So, basically, the game kind of kept playing on, and the the he had he kept doing all sorts of defensive stuff, like uh, you know he had armor on. So of course, my warlock partner reveals a rust on the force master. So then he's like, um, I dispel the rust, and then I'm like, um. Wizard's Tower with an Acid Ball. I shoot you with an Acid Ball. <laughs> I get two Corrode Tokens. So you're still rusted. <laughs> um, and then it was like, well, fine. If you're going to do that, I'm going to play um, 
divine protection. So I'm Aegis One. Um, and then the Hydras were like, well, that's fine. Um, I can roll four damage on two dice repeatedly. Um, I, this is not a joke, either. Like, first time I attack with them, two, it's two dice. Two crit and two crit. So he takes four. Wow. Second strike. It was a two crit and a two normal. Takes three damage. Third strike. Two crit and two normal. It takes three damage. Wow. It was... Yeah, no. The Hydras were like, you have insulted us by making yourself harder to eat. <laughs> um, uh, uh. At the... At the finally, at the end of the game, um, basically they had put a, a regrowth on their Force Master, and our response was arcane corruption on your force master because that regrowth is her fourth enchantment so it's a net loss of two hit points for you uh, which they then responded to with um they we both prep like multiple attack spells and stuff and destroy you or nice. at least that was their goal and we almost made it out of that but um but they ended up having the one attack they needed to be able to get it in um so no it was it was super fun we really, we really enjoyed it. It was a, it was a good time, and uh, Dave, the ambassador, did a fantastic job. Um, he was doing demos during the day, and then obviously we did this in the evening. Um, and in between all of that, I got to go to the adjacent room and play in a Sentinel Tactics tournament, um, which was great. Sweet. Uh, unfortunately for for me, like, I didn't have a team. I kind of showed up, and there was no team. Like, there was no one else in that slot, so guys who are running it are like, well, you're going to make it to the next round because you showed up. Um, but we're probably going to end up putting you with the, the team that only had two people, which mm -hmm. is what ended up happening. Um, and so we got to play our our final game, and it was awesome, and we we did fantastic. Awesome. Um, the team we were playing against, um, they 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 were good guys, and they got they got their uh, dice rolls tanked at the end. Like one of their characters just couldn't hit us. Um, and then so then uh, that was awesome. I got to play that, and then you know go to dinner and come back for uh, the. Uh, the team fight in Mage Wars, which was great. I also got to introduce Matt um, uh, for Arcane Wonders. I got to introduce him to Orchata, oh, which is a Mexican beverage. Delicious. It is glorious. Yes. So, because, uh, like, we we seriously find in in Indianapolis, over, this was, this was uh, the show was by the airport. Um, so over by the airport... There's this tiny place called Gil Taco. And I was like, okay, it's called Gil Taco. I have to go here. <laughs> um, and it is it is a tiny, like, brick taco stand. Like, there's there's no there's no dining room, there's no nothing, it's just it's just their counter is a little brick building. Oh yeah. Um and so, you know, get a couple of tacos which were fantastic. Um, but I'm like, okay, I want a couple tacos, and then I'm all excited because I love fruit-flavored soda, mm -hmm. and so Mexican restaurant, lots of fruit-flavored sodas, and he's like, oh, well, in addition to those, we have pineapple water and we have horchata, and I was like, 
never mind, I'm taking Matt. Like, yeah. And then Matt goes, is it any good? And I go, just drink it. <laughs> and he takes a sip and he's like, this is like the milk after you're done eating a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes it is. Um, so, so yeah, I got to show him that. So it was a, Saturday was a really good day. That's awesome, man. Well, let's let's get in and talk about some of the uh, some of these guardians, right? So, for those of you who are unaware, Mage Wars Battlegrounds um, is um, a way for Arcane Wonders. And if I'm speaking out of turn, Aaron, please correct me. Uh, but it's a way for Arcade Wonders and the Mage Wars guys to introduce new um, mechanics to the overall genre of Mage Wars. And a lot of these are going to be introduced via uh, win conditions, and the first of which is Domination. That's going to be the Mage Wars Battleground Domination. It's going to be coming out, um, I believe, very, very soon. Um, and um, in it, you're going to be fighting over objectives. Now, you can still take out the other mage and uh, get victory, but these domination markers, these orbs that are going to be on the board, are going to be a way for you to gain victory points. And if you reach a certain amount of points, you're going to be able to just steal the victory away. So it, when what I hear, it drastically reduces the game time. Um, if I mean, could potentially reduce the game time. And um, it makes it so that um, the games are much more fresh. And it's not all just a bunch of... Uh, zerging to one corner of the of the arena that you see in a lot of the newer players um, going, you actually have to play the board and maneuver your guys around. Um, does that sound all about right, Aaron? Yeah, for the most part, um, it's dominant. Like Battlegrounds is definitely meant to be um, a series where we do um, alternate ways to play Mage Wars, and the first one is obviously domination. And like you pointed out, Domination is all about catching these orbs. You can still win by killing your opponent, but if you control orbs, um, they give you small bonuses during the game. Um, but once you get to a certain amount of, of the energy these orbs create, which is called VTAR, um, once you get to a certain point, um, you win because you're able to to power up effectively the big artifact and uh, zot your opponent. Okay. Um, and yes, it the the thing that I found really interesting while testing domination. Um, so my games of arena average about an hour to an hour and a half, which, in my experience, is on the faster side of most people. Mm -hmm. um, what I found interesting about Domination was that my game still ended up going roughly an hour, hour and a half, but um, to use crazy math terms, the standard deviation was lower. Mm -hmm. uh, meaning that you didn't have uh, you didn't have outlying games where Oh man, yes, the average game is an hour to an hour and a half, but it's not uncommon to have a three-hour game. That did not happen. Okay. When I say it was an hour to an hour and a half, um, the shortest game I played I think was 45 minutes. The longest one I played was two hours. Okay. And those were outliers. So, um, that was the thing that I found really, really great about, um, 
domination was that it it really you're always racing towards something once once someone gets control of an orb the game is moving forward and it's really tough to stop that so you have to actively be trying to win it puts a it puts a very different pace on the game and a very different pace on what you're doing um, sure. I mean, what I found so, in, in playing games like Hearthstone, or sorry, like Heroes of the Storm, just having a map that has an objective introduces a whole new element of game. Everybody's played games that we have a, a death match or a team death match, but when the map itself is an alive, it's this, it's this being that has its own uh, mechanics built into it, and you have to get to a certain spot of that map and you're competing over that spot. It adds, it adds it breathes a whole new life into the game, I think, and it's definitely one that's welcome. And I'm insanely looking forward to. Um, but the the Vitar orbs are actually controlled by, or rather, are protected by guardians. And we're going to talk a little bit about Slack and Uslack. Did I say those right? Um. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that we have an actual pronunciation guide. I know Scott was talking about putting a pronunciation thing in his article. I can't remember if it... Or, or in the article we posted. I can't remember if it, it made it in or not, but... But, yeah, that sounds... Uh, that sounds right. Would it be Slock? <laughs> anyway, so... These guys are Antari. They look kind of like a... Um, like an insectoid hybrid, uh, humanoid hybrid. They remind me a little bit of if you've ever looked at Umber Hulks in Dungeons and Dragons. They remind me of kind of those. So they they have like this carapace on them. Their appendages are really sharp. The artwork is fantastic. They look amazing, but they look like they're gonna be a heck of a force. So from what I understand, Aaron, I go to an orb. I hit the orb. The guardian summons at that same time, or is the guardian well, already the there guardians... on the board? Um, when you when you build one of the arenas out of the book, uh -huh. it tells you where to place the guardians at the start of the game. Okay. And most of the time, orbs will have a guardian in the zone with them already. Okay. So, uh, in order to be able to, in order to be able to touch the orb and claim it as yours, you have to kill the guardian first. I see. Um, okay. And who, then who controls round, the guardian? Uh, the guardians not con well. Guardians that start on the board are not controlled. Um, okay. So the so the ones that start in the arena guarding the orbs, they are not controlled. And specifically, when guardians are not controlled like that, then uh, they get a guard marker each round. Okay. And that is all that they that's all that they do because they're they're guarding the specific orbs and so they're kind of automated when you attack them they'll attack the first person back but you know other than that they're going to sit there and try and protect the orb okay so uh, since they have a guard that guards gonna get removed as soon as they do the counterattack right mm-hmm so so they're gonna they're gonna counterattack the first thing that hits them so I have so, my wildfire imp out I, I attack with my wildfire imp it may it may get obliterated by the guardian, but then my um, my adrenaline can come in and uh, do a lot more damage or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So there's 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 some strategy in there into taking out the guardians themselves. No, absolutely. Um, when we were playtesting, 
there were two things that I did a lot of. First of all, um, I really enjoyed uh, the warlord in this in this particular format because he likes to, you know, build buildings and kind of claim areas. Uh huh. Um, and he's really good at having lots of very solid creatures. Uh, but one of the things I would do with him is move to a zone where I have a couple different orbs within two two zones of me, put up the uh, archer's tower, and then put up uh, put a uh, like a skeletal archer or um, uh, Grimson in the tower. So then you're shooting the gar the guardians so that they're weak, um, and then you can swoop in with a creature. Uh, swoop in with any kind of lower creature and hit the last couple points so that you don't take damage from them. <coughs> That's one of the big things, is that if you get unlucky fighting the Guardians, it can end up wasting a lot of your resources, mm -hmm. and so you want to be careful about that. The other thing that I did was uh, I liked using the Druid a lot because I would bond my I would do my life bond and then, like, the second round, get my vine staff, and then I'd go in and I'd just hit the guards myself because I had an easy built-in way to heal my mage oh, absolutely. Uh, every round. So she would kind of tank them, uh, and then I'd summon other creatures. The other thing that was great about the druid, and Scott can... I'm sure Scott, if he was here, would totally back me up on this yeah. because it drove him nuts. Um, <laughs> when we were playtesting, you know, you keep spreading those vines across the board. Well, at one point, he was like, yay, I've got this orb finally. And then I was like, awesome. Uh, raptor vine spawns up in that same zone, and I rouse the beast out of my raptor vine, and my raptor vine takes it. Um, and just being able to dump creatures kind of directly on top of these points is pretty sweet. Awesome. And then add in the fact that the druid's creatures naturally bounce back very quick. Mm -hmm. um, it it was pretty great. I really like the druid for this. Although I do know that uh, some of our playtesters were a big fan of the uh, um, of using the Joktari Beastmaster. Oh, yeah. I simply because that. if you got if you got lucky with uh, certain attack rolls, you could take orbs before anyone else could because she starts fast. Mm -hmm. So there were some interesting things you could do with her um, that no one else could do because she starts fast. So it was pretty, it was pretty interesting there. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So let's let's talk about Slack here for a second. So Slack's the orb guardian. He's a seven mana cost creature. Now, when you Sorry, I'm going to go back to something you mentioned earlier. Now, you said sure. um, there are certain... You alluded to certain situations where we could actually control an orb, orb guardian. Am I going to be able to put oh, an orb absolutely. guardian in one of my books? Yes. You are You are totally allowed to put uh, orb guardians in your books. Ooh. Um, there's also a special tile. Um, there's a special tile that's uh, the, the ancient artifact that you're trying to power up. Um, it's called the Vitorak, and what it does is you can use it 
to allow you to actually summon a slack from outside the game. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. pretty costly. Um, you have to spend you have to spend one of your VTAR, which is effectively you have to spend a victory point mm -hmm. to to try and do this. But on several of the the arenas, um, the VTAR the Vitorak is near the center, near other orbs. Um, there's all sorts of interesting things that can come from that. Also, it does allow you to summon uh, summon a creature without using up anything in your spellbook. Um, and especially if you're guarding uh, if you're guarding the orbs, he's a pretty solid creature. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So let's let's talk about Slack. Whereas I'm gonna I'm gonna call him Lil Slack uh, because he's the smaller <laughs> of the two. That's already there. Um, Lil Slack is a one arcane. Uh, sorry, first level arcane, first level dark spell. It costs seven mana. Um, he has a natural armor of one and a base HP or base life rather of eight hit points. His built-in attack is a quick action melee attack called Impaling Spines. That you're gonna roll three dice and get piercing one. Now the slack, or little slack here, is immune to psychic, uh, psychic attacks and effects, and it says that when they're in the same zone as a Vitar orb, it gets the unmovable and the anchored trait. So let's talk a little bit about anchored, uh, Aaron, because I believe that's one of the newer effects within Domination, right? No, that's a that is a brand new, uh, brand new effect with Domination. Um, so unmovable is you can't be pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the idea is that you're um, either uh, especially resilient or you have some specific reason why you're kind of stuck in place um, of your own choice. Anchored is a similar idea, except it deals with teleportation. Uh, the idea is that for whatever reason, you are particularly well um, you are well placed in our material plane, so things aren't going to teleport you around. Um, so specifically what it does is an object that is anchored can't be teleported. Mm. So if you have a slack in the same zone with an orb, you have to kill him because you can't push him out and you can't teleport him out. Um, and then, the, obviously, the ones that start the game on the board, they will never take move actions. They will only guard their orb. So, if you want to get them away from the orb, you have to kill them. Awesome. And then, um, so that brings us right into Big Slack, or Ooth Slack. He's the greater orb guardian. He's a level 2 arcane spell, level 1 dark, has 11 mana cost. He has a built-in armor of 2 a life value of 11 in his impaling spines you're going to be rolling four dice with a piercing of one also immune to psychic so both of these creatures are very similar to one another so um Aaron, a little bit on just the lore of these ontarians um these these sure are these the makers are these one of the first races where do they fall within the mage wars universe um so these guys the whole um the Vitorak artifact and the Vitar orbs uh -huh. are specifically artifacts that were created by the dragons. Um, the dragons made them. Each dragon would 
would have like their own set of orbs and their own artifact, and they would use them to kind of channel mana towards them. Okay. Um, basically, the whole idea is that it's a more direct, it's a more direct route to Voltari, which is this other plane that's literally just teeming full of mana. But the artifacts and the orbs were always dangerous um, because, you know, as you keep pulling stuff from Voltari, um, Voltari wants to insinuate itself on the real world. Sure. So it keeps trying to to break in. Um, and whereas the dragons all had incredible control over these artifacts, um, you know, human mages may or may not. We'll see. Time time will tell. Um, but uh, but these the the Antarans, Antarians, um, were specifically created by the dragons uh, to guard these orbs. So the whole uh, whole concept is the dragons. Um, at some point in the past, the dragons that remained decided to pull away from. Um, the greater uh, world of Etheria, but they needed to make sure that these orbs and stuff wouldn't fall into the wrong hands. So they made um, they made the orb guardians, uh, and they basically sit in wait until one of the orbs or one of the artifacts is disturbed, and then they awake and they defend. Uh, they defend those artifacts or those orbs. Awesome. And that sounds it sounds awesome. Um, I have a quick question before we get into the to the brand new spoiler for today. I have a quick question. How many sets of domination do I do I need? Can I can I get two and play distinctly different with two, or is one enough? The way that the uh, the rules are set up and the way the arenas in there are set up is you can do everything with one set of domination. Okay. However, part of the goal with domination was to give people the freedom to kind of create their own, you know? Exactly. Make your own or be flexible. So, obviously, two sets of, of uh, uh, domination are going to give you this greater flexibility, mm-hmm. but... That's kind of all on your own, uh, because all of our all of our arenas and uh, the rules and stuff like that are all assuming uh, a single set of domination. Okay. But if you get two sets, then you have all sorts of customization options um, when making your own arenas that you wouldn't have normally. Uh, and then obviously you get a second a second set of all the cards. Um, so that can be, excuse me, uh, that can be uh, really cool as well. So awesome! Yeah, I was planning. I mean, just as a fan, I was planning on getting two, but to sell that to my wife, um, I may need to actually edit this podcast to make you sound like you said yes. I would need it just in case she listens to it. Um. Well, <laughs> uh, as much as I want to totally back you up on this, I made a rule a long time ago of. Of not being an accessory to people, you know, 
conning their wives. So yeah, well, <laughs> you are you are a better man than I. All right, Aaron. Let's let's talk about um, let's talk about Astral Anchor, which is the official spoiler uh, coming out today, um, or whenever this podcast will air, which is technically tomorrow. But you know. Thanks to the magic of the well, internet. It's tomorrow it's for us, but it's going to be today for everyone listening to it. Right. So Astral Anchor is an awesome uh, zone enchantment. Um, it has a reveal cost of four. It's a level one mind spell. And um, it features some another just awesome artwork on it, um, like, like all the cards do, if I can gush for a second. Um, it says creatures cannot be teleported to or from this zone. So I place this on my zone, and I either negate somebody's retreat um, or force him to that they can't just pop right in um, for a surprise attack. This this has... I can see where this could potentially have a huge effect in Domination, but I have a couple guys that I play with locally that love Teleport. Slash hate Teleport when played right uh, wrongly. Um this has a big effect on the arena as well, I think. Can you talk a bit about Astral Anchor and kind of the idea behind being able to control one of um, uh, one of my favorite spells in the game, Teleport? Um, well, one of the things that we were excited about with uh, um, with Domination was the opportunity to go through and you know make new spells specifically for Domination, like the the Slack and the Uslack. Mm-hmm. Um, but Astral Anchor kind of fell into the other area, which we wanted spells which were naturally suited for domination. Um, you know, uh, things that gave movement or hindered movement or or helped you with zones, stuff like that. Things that, that made sense uh, for this kind of, um, you know, capture point sort of scenario, um, but would also be interesting in, uh, in regular mage, in, in arena, uh, in arena normal. <laughs> Non-domination arena. There we right, go. There we go. <laughs> um, and then the third type of spells we had were specifically spells just for. Um, well, I, no, sorry. I guess I covered that the first time. We had we had some uh, some of the promo cards that we thought fit domination very well, and so obviously we have some promos printed in here. We have cards um, that were meant to kind of go for. Uh, arena or domination, and then we had cards like the Slack and the Uslack, which were made specifically uh, for domination. Um, Astral Anchor, Astral Anchor is something that I've been wanting to do for a while now. Um, I know that when we were working on Forged in Fire, um, I had this idea for kind of a smoke bomb, um, and the whole idea with that was when you it was an enchantment, and when you flipped it up. Uh, it blocked line of sight for that round for the zone it was in. Because it's a smoke bomb. Awesome. So then all of your borders became blocked line of sight. Um, that spell did not end up working out as well as I'd hoped. <laughs> um, we may go back to it. We may get it to work later. But um, obviously it did not work for, uh, for Forge and Fire. It didn't work for Domination. But one of the things that really came out of that spell was um, the way it was originally worded it would stop teleport because you're breaking it breaks line of sight so you couldn't cast a teleport and then like you could reveal the smoke bomb and then they couldn't they couldn't teleport out um but with that in mind we've been meaning to do something um interacting with teleport 
uh, I'm a huge fan of push, of push mechanics. And mm -hmm. the thing that really kind of keeps push uh, balanced, in my opinion, is that you have things that stop it. Like, it doesn't just work all the time. And that's kind of one of the things, uh, one of the places where teleport as a spell um, kind of really takes off was that there was... There was nothing to stop it. There was nothing to, uh, you know, there was nothing to prevent you from going, hey, um, I'm going to teleport your mage, uh, you know, to the other side of my mage, which happens to be my zone with, you know, three hydras in it. You know, have fun. Um, so this was something that we'd been meaning to do, and this was the a really good time for us to do it. Um because movement effects are so huge in domination, uh, being able to get your creatures into the right place to be able to take the orb or to contest the orb or to, you know, try and, you know, block your opponents, um, that's a that's a huge part of domination is is you know cunning placement of your creatures, um, and so this spell was a natural fit for that, um, and then on top of that we. We, like I said, we've been meaning to uh, print a spell that, you know, was kind of like that nasty surprise against uh, Teleport. Um, the cool part is right now is that you can you can have this unrevealed in a zone, and then when they try and either teleport into that zone or teleport you out of that zone, you can reveal it in response and be like, nope, not happening. <laughs> uh, so... So you can you can stop one teleport with it. Uh, obviously, once it's revealed, they're not going to be teleporting stuff into or out of that zone unless they're um, unless they have a really short-term memory. Uh, but it has the the chance to stop stuff early. What the other thing that I really love, uh, it's kind of a subtler thing that this card does. I ha am a firm believer that the more enchantments that can attach to a certain thing. Um, the better that it gets, because, um, for instance, if I'm a if I'm a priestess and you see me put an enchantment in a zone, what did I just do? Well, nine times out of ten, I'm gonna say you cast a sacred ground, mm -hmm. you know, because that's like the one holy zone enchantment. Sure. So the more zone enchantments, especially, I mean, we have lots of creature enchantments. So there's plenty of chances for what did he actually enchant there. Yeah. Um, but zone enchantments, we have very few in comparison. And this is a very potent zone enchantment. And so there's, a, there, there's no reason why people, you know, outside the mind school would think, hmm, I might want this card. So then it becomes, oh, you're a warlord and you just cast a zone enchantment. Is that a fortified position, or is that an astral anchor? Mm -hmm. Um, and so anytime, I, I think one of the things that makes the enchantments great is that sort of shell game aspect where you have to, um, you have to assume, uh, from what you know about me, what I put down there. Um, I know that almost every game I play, at some point. When someone enchants something, uh, their opponent goes, 
Well, now I have to take from what I know of you. Are you the kind of person to put the poison in your own cup? And then we go on about a five-minute <laughs> diatribe of Princess Bride quotes. Be but that's the thing is it's head games. Yeah. Um, and so providing more zone enchants gets us closer to that point where you're not going to be certain what I'm thinking of doing. Absolutely. Um, is this and, the only and one so in the set? That to me is the, can you even the subtle that? part. But I said, is, is this, this the only one in the set? Can you um, answer that? I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. Um, oh, no, it's not the only zone enchant in the set. Ooh. Um, it, I, I, I will go out on the limb here and say that it's the best one. Okay. Um, it's pretty awesome. Because I, if I remember right, the other one is more specifically for domination. Oh, okay. But in domination, it's pretty sweet. So. Well, that's awesome, man. But I'm sure everybody's we'll get really... to previewing that one eventually. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, domination is going to be ready, I believe, at Origins, right? You guys will have the first uh, pickups available there, and then uh, I believe so. Okay, I um, think I think I remember reading that. As far, uh, as, as far as I know, we're supposed to have them at Origins. Um, Scott would be able to say definitively, sure. Um, but that's because his area is more that, and mine is more the design side. But that that we should have it there. Yeah, you get the fun job. Barring divine intervention, typhoons, the western coast of the United States falling into the ocean, um, yeah. we should have it there. <laughs> yeah. You know, normal stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, regular things. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Well, man, uh, I think we're about there on time. Uh, I really enjoy talking about domination. I can't. I still can't wait to get my hands on it, man. So, um, origins can't come fast enough for me. And um, I know one thing that we're going to be doing locally. If you're in the West Texas area, which um, I think there are some of you who are out there um, in the area who listen to this podcast, uh, we will be doing a tournament when, um, excuse me, when Battlegrounds comes out, we will be doing a tournament, and the winner of the tournament will get a free copy of Battlegrounds. So that is going to be very nice. That's awesome. Provided to you by the your friendly neighborhood Let's Level Uppers. So um, I am really stoked about that. I can't wait to get my hands on it, and all of my buddies, I know we're going to be going crazy for it. So um, Aaron, do you have anything you want to say about uh, any of the cards you talked about, or just in general, before we go? I guess the best thing I can say right now is, is that We've shown three cards, and uh, there are definitely plenty more where these came from, so I'm really excited. I'm, I'm really excited to finally be able to kind of talk about all of this, because, I mean, this was something that I was working on for quite a while um, last year and even uh, just a smidge into this year. Uh, so it's it's been something that we've been working on, and I'm I'm always excited when I'm finally able to show uh, show our players, hey, no, I swear. Well, you know what I told you? I swear I've been working on stuff. Well, here it is. Yeah. This, these these are the things, you know. Absolutely, man. I can't. I can't. I bet you are just beyond stoked for this. This is great, man. No, it's 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 pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. awesome. Well, great. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, you can view all the stuff available on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. Please rate and review the show. It helps us make it up that gaming chart. Um, I really appreciate all the feedback we've gotten to date, and I'm sure Aaron does as well. You can follow him on Twitter at NedTheDestroyer. I am at Let's Level Up. All of our information is also available on Let'sLevelUp.net. And um, uh, the podcast also on the forums. Um, thank you to some awesome people out there who like to share things. So um, you guys keep on listening. Keep telling us what you want to hear. And uh, we'll be looking to do more stuff like this in a couple weeks. 
So thank you so much. Thank you.